COVID-19 continues to circle the globe and the pandemic shows no sign of abating. Let's talk more about the coronavirus right here on another special episode of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I love having the opportunity to use this platform for educating and informing you, The Nurse Keith Nation, so that you can take any information you find useful and share it with those you care about the most. I will be regularly publishing these episodes related solely to the COVID-19 pandemic. There will be no corporate sponsors of these episodes and no advertising of my coaching business. This is solely about education and information as a public service. Please share these episodes far and wide if you feel they are a valuable approach to the virus response. Now, all information in these episodes about COVID-19 uses the most up-to-date information I can access, as well as some personal opinions and reflections and reactions. So please note that the situation is changing, as you know, by the moment, and any information shared in any episode may not apply once that data has been updated. Also, Just remember that nothing shared in the course of any Nurse Keith Coaching COVID-19 podcast is intended for diagnosis or treatment, so please consult your healthcare provider or your local Department of Health. And if you read or hear something I have shared that appears to be erroneous, misguided, or you think otherwise needs to be corrected, please leave an evidence-based comment or email me directly at keith at nursekeith.com. Thanks for understanding. Stay safe, keep informed, and the show notes for this particular episode can be found at nursekeith.com forward slash COVID-19-2. Well, if you've been following along here at the Nurse Keith Show, this is my third episode about COVID, actually. This is the second update since my initial episode, and things are mutable and changing. And as you know, the response around the globe is different in many countries, and some countries are doing better than others. Some municipalities are reacting with more evidence-based information, and we're hoping that everyone gets on board with all of the latest recommendations as they roll out, because as I said, things keep changing and we have to keep pivoting because this virus is also causing us to continue to look for more evidence, more data, more information so that we can respond appropriately. One thing that some of you listening may not be aware of is that there are some new symptom manifestations that you might want to take note of and also look up for yourself and talk to your colleagues about. Now, the main symptoms that we've been talking about since the beginning have been dry cough and fever, and those remain two of the cardinal symptoms of this virus. We also know that some people, or actually many, many people, can carry COVID-19 and be completely asymptomatic, or develop symptoms later, or develop very, very mild symptoms. And that is a very large number of people who develop mild symptoms, and they will fully recover. We accept that, we celebrate that, and that's wonderful. However, one thing we need to know as healthcare providers, or that we want to know as public citizens of the world, is that up to 10% of COVID-19 positive 
patients may not present with a fever at first. That's up to 10% may not present with a fever. Now, also, up to 30 to 40% of people who are positive for COVID-19 may also not present with a cough at first. This is a little confounding to some of us because it's been fever, cough, fever, cough, fever, cough. And now we know that we need to pivot because the diagnostic criteria are changing. And please stay tuned because they're probably going to change some more. Instead of fever and cough, what is now starting to be seen in some, emphasis some, COVID positive patients is diarrhea and abdominal pain. Now, if this information doesn't eventually get circulated out to the public who are monitoring themselves and possibly sheltering in place at home, if they have diarrhea and abdominal pain, they're going to drink tea, they're going to go and buy some kaopectate or milk of magnesia or whatever, and they're going to sit and sit for days and wonder when this diarrhea is going to go away. I do not have any information myself about when the fever and cough come on after someone has had diarrhea and abdominal pain. You need to look for that information. I am still digging and I am talking with people all over the country to try to get you the best information. Just know that the diagnostic criteria and information are mutable and we need to stay aware and awake and not rest on our laurels in terms of what we think we know. Just yesterday, I was speaking with a infection preventionist nurse somewhere in the United States who works for an organization related to healthcare run by the government. That's all I'm going to say. And she was telling me that the situation is pretty dire. She is in the midst of the frying pan in terms of infectious disease monitoring around the country with COVID-19, and she is worried. And all of her colleagues in the ID, infectious disease world, are also quite worried. Um, one question I really wanted to ask this person was, since this is a RNA virus, which I discussed on the last episode, COVID-19-1, since this is an RNA virus that is in some ways, some ways similar to the ways in which HIV replicates, not completely the same, but there are some similarities that I've found and that I see. My question to her was, are there going to be mutations? Her response was basically that yes, there will likely be mutations, but we don't know what kinds of mutations. Are they going to be mutations that can make an end run around any antiviral drugs that we develop? Are they going to mutate and outsmart the drugs? Will they eventually outsmart the vaccine that will eventually come to pass and we'll be able to start inoculating people around the world with? Will it be able to mutate and make that vaccine less effective or ineffective? So, Mutations are probably going to happen. We don't know when, we don't know how, we don't know what the extent of the mutating will be, but it's fairly certain that some mutating processes will take place. And again, we need to be ready to pivot and not rest on what we think we know and remain open to this new information as it arises.
Speaking of the vaccine, I learned yesterday, and some of you may also understand, that the very, very first test patient received the very first injection yesterday. And they are going to be watching the people receiving this vaccine very closely, and they are going to be monitored for 12 months. So this clinical trial will be going on for 12 months, unless, as happens in many clinical trials, there are so many side effects or other issues going on that the trial has to be canceled. So cross your fingers, say a prayer, whatever it is you do to hope for the future that this vaccine makes it through this first phase over the next 12 months, and we can actually get it out to the public as soon as possible. But we need to understand and be realistic that it is probably going to be 18 months or more before we actually have a usable vaccine. So keep your eyes on that prize and Let's just hope against hope that that vaccine will come to pass and we will be able to distribute it and get people some semblance of immunity to COVID-19. Now, moving on to how things are changing in terms of the recommendations from the federal government, the CDC, all of the people reacting and responding to this at the governmental level here in the United States. It appears to me and many others that President Trump made a pretty significant about-face between this past Sunday, March 15th, and yesterday, Monday, March 16th. I'm recording this on the 17th of March, 2020, St. Patrick's Day. Trump made a pretty big about-face. It seemed like someone had shaken him by his lapels and told him, look, we need to change the messaging here. This is really important. They had a very grave serious press conference on Monday the 16th, and he announced, and I was very, very happy and grateful to hear this uttered from his mouth, that no more than 10 people should be gathered anywhere in the country at any given time for any reason for the foreseeable future. He did say 15 days or three weeks, but I think that was just getting people used to this idea, and I'm sure this is going to continue for quite some time. So his message his very, very clear message that no more than 10 people should be together anywhere at any time for any reason was a relief to me. Now, he also said when asked how long he thinks this will last, President Trump stated maybe till July or August. I think he was just also being semi-realistic trying not to alarm people too much, but setting expectations that were in it for the long haul. So he gave us four to five months, which I think was a good message for the public to hear that this is not going to be over in just a couple days or a couple weeks, like some people are saying all over the internet. So I was also very pleased to hear that. So his tune changed overnight. Why did his tune change? What I understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that the British did us a big favor this past week. A British study was completed that modeled by computer how many Americans would die from this virus if we don't change our response and step it up. And that study said that 2.2 million Americans would most certainly die if we didn't change our response and really go for it. So I think that scared some folks, and 
I believe that that might have had an influence on the president, and I thank the British for providing us with that computer model, no matter how scary it is, because it's real. This is real. It's, it's, this is reality, folks. And I'm so glad the federal government is slowly, incrementally getting on board here. Now, talk about the federal government getting on board. Here is where my, what I could say, my reticence comes from in really praising the federal government. So, President Trump announced on Monday, the 16th of March, 2020, that no more than 10 people should gather at any time. Correct? Correct. Right after that press conference, MSNBC went to video of airports around the country. And what did I see? I did not see no more than 10 people gathered in an enclosed space. I saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people standing cheek by jowl in airports all over the country, touching touch screens, touching doorknobs, going to the bathroom, eating in restaurants, eating in cafes, laughing, sneezing, coughing all over each other and everything, waiting in line sometimes for up to eight hours just to get through security, and then sitting on airplanes for untold number of hours with recirculated air. So here's where the disconnect is for me personally and professionally. We're giving a very mixed message to the American public and to the world. No more than 10 people gathered anywhere at any time for any reason. And the president even said not to eat at restaurants, not to go to stores unless you need something from the pharmacy or the grocery store, not to go to cafes, etc. However, in the next moment, we're seeing videos of thousands of people cheek by jowl in airports. And that has me very, very scared, my friends. I believe some airports may, and this is just my own conjecture, some airports may take it upon themselves to shut down, and I certainly hope that they're going to do so. BWI in D.C., Reagan National, Atlanta, one of the largest, if not the largest airport in the world, LaGuardia, JFK, LAX, PDX in Portland, Oregon, etc. You get the picture. I'm hoping, praying, just I'm apoplectic that all the airports aren't closed. Do you remember after September 11th, 2001, when we looked up at the sky at night and it was absolutely still and we could see stars and nothing moving, no lights in the sky? Well, that's what should have happened here in the United States about three weeks ago, if not four weeks ago, if not at least this week. And it is not happening. There are planes everywhere. There are people flying everywhere. I've even heard of a friend's family who said, hey, let's go on vacation to Hawaii. And they hopped on a plane and flew to Hawaii this past weekend. I could not believe what I was hearing, but I actually should because it's happening all the time. I want people to get home to their families. Don't get me wrong. I want people to be able to be reunited and be where they need to be and be where they feel safest where they feel that they can shelter in place and be comfortable and be around people they love and care about and who love and care about them. However, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, no one should be able to get on a plane anywhere in the United States, if not 
anywhere in the world. And the only vehicles that should be in the sky are government or military. That is my personal opinion. So here is, this is where we are. Why are the airports open? Why are people flying, first of all, especially for vacation or let's say for spring break in Florida? And what about those TSA agents? They're there all day, every day, faced with so many people coughing, sneezing, etc. How about a sick TSA agent who doesn't know he or she is infected because they don't have a fever or cough, but they have diarrhea and they haven't washed their hands very well and they open a suitcase, they go through everything, touch everything in that suitcase. Maybe they're wearing gloves, I should hope, but maybe they touched their face or their mouth with their nose with that glove and now they're touching everything in that suitcase. Recipe for disaster. So here I am sitting in my studio, in my office, in my home, downtown Santa Fe, New Mexico. I'm thinking about New York City, where every cafe, restaurant, bar, and eatery is closed. Now I'm thinking about also San Francisco, where every citizen has to shelter in place and only leave home to go to the doctor, the grocery store, or the pharmacy for the most part. Or if they're essential personnel like nurses and doctors, or firefighters, etc., police officers, they have to go to work. What's wrong with this picture? Here in Santa Fe, some restaurants are closed, but I've driven by restaurants, pizza places where people are sitting eating. And even though the governor has issued a order that restaurants have to be only 50% capacity, only six people at a table, and tables have to be either six, eight, or 10 feet apart, I can't remember what the edict said. Well, it's not enough. And yes, businesses are suffering. They're going to suffer more. Many are never going to come back, but people can't come back. Businesses can be rebuilt. The government can bail people out, hopefully, if Congress and the Senate and the president act. So where are we going? What are we doing? What is happening? What is not happening? What are you seeing out there? What are your misgivings? My wife, Mary, and I We're both in high-risk groups. I'm in at least two. She's in at least three. We spend time with only a very, very small circle of friends, usually in ones or twos. We go to the pharmacy down the street. We go to several different grocery stores to get supplies. We try not to hoard, of course. And we go to medical appointments. And that's all we do. We don't go anywhere else. We go to the park, we walk outside, spend time in nature, walk around the block, sit in our front yard. That's it. That's all we do. I might take a ride out into the country sometime this week and just sit out in some beautiful mesa in the middle of the high desert and just look at the vista and take in the fresh air and sunshine. But that's it. And that's what everyone should be doing. I feel bad for folks in the big cities where You can't get to nature because you have to shelter in place, at least here for now, at least for the moment, I can get out of the house, go out to the park, etc. So something's wrong here, my friends. Things are not as they should be, and I'm disappointed. I've been spending a lot of time feeling absolutely livid, apoplectic, which is one of my newest words, one of my favorite words. 
I'm totally apoplectic, just angry as anything a lot of the time. And I'm hearing so many spurious things out there that it's it's hard for me to fathom. Like people believing that you can take a hairdryer, put it on high heat, blow it into your mouth and throat and clear the virus, things like this. So if you're hearing such claims, please counter them. If you're hearing about a synagogue that's planning Seder and services for, for Passover, please talk to them, reason with them, tell them why that's not a good idea. Tell them they can do a Seder or service on the internet, through Zoom, through a conference call. If you hear of a church who's holding services because they say that community is important and the only way we can get through this is through prayer, prayer can happen at home, it can happen over the internet, it can happen over video chats, there's lots and lots of ways to connect. Now I know there are lots of people out there, seniors who are sheltering in place in assisted living where they're not even allowed to leave their rooms, where meals are delivered to their door where only essential personnel can come see them wearing masks and gloves and maybe even gowns. The nursing homes, the memory care units, think of the people who are isolated. So if you can connect with someone like that through FaceTime or Zoom or Skype, or it's just a simple telephone call, please do it. If there's a volunteer program where you can connect with one senior who's isolated and you can call that senior every week or so, please volunteer. I'm doing the same right here in beautiful Santa Fe. We all have our own learning curve. I recognize that. And I try to mitigate and assuage my anger by realizing that certain people really need to wake up, and some groups and individuals are slower to wake up than others. People are claiming that the virus is being spread through chemtrails in the sky. There's all sorts of magical thinking that we can get together and for previously scheduled dance parties and dance the virus away, or people can dance in the same space if they don't touch. So if you can disabuse even one person of a bad practice, or you can teach one person how to actually wash their hands, wash their thumbs, the webbing of their fingers, the backs of their hands, please do so. This is not going away, my friends. This is our new reality. This virus may be with us for quite some time. Some people are estimating it could be as much as 8 months, 12 months, 18 months, and that this new normal, as much as we don't like it, as much as children aren't going to school, as much as kids aren't getting their school meals, as much as parents who don't have any money can't work, we need to make sure we pressure our governmental figures. We need to make sure we pressure our government, our elected representatives to do the right thing, to provide the relief people need. I'm thinking of, let's say, for instance, undocumented people who are so afraid of testing positive for the virus because they think they'll be deported that they won't seek medical care. So we should have huge billboards all over the country, Spanish language announcements in the newspaper, on the TV, on the radio, that no one will be deported for any reason related to COVID-19. From my perspective, 
ICE, immigration people should just stand down, take part in other aspects of keeping this country under control, and allow the undocumented to be, to take care of their families, to work if they can, to shelter in place, to get tested, to seek medical care, and to do what they need to do for themselves, for their families, for their communities, and for the greater good. We don't need ICE raids. We don't need undocumented people feeling that they can't get tested for fear of deportation. And we need to make sure our most vulnerable populations, the people who live paycheck to paycheck, the people whose children are not getting free school meals, the people who have maybe $200 in savings at best and no access to credit cards, we need to make sure these people are taken care of. So you fight the good fight whatever that fight happens to be, but please don't be part of the problem spreading disinformation, a lazy attitude towards this virus, or the sense that this is blown out of proportion by the media or the government or other shadowy figures, because it is not. This is real. This is what we're facing. This is the new normal. We need to pull together as a global community and see what we can do to arrest this virus and blunt the curve before it's too late. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this special COVID-19 bonus episode of The Nurse Keith Show. There will be many, many more to come, I'm afraid. And remember that the show notes for this episode with several of the studies and things that I mentioned can be found at nursekeith.com forward slash the word COVID-19-2. I will also try to find several videos to put in there of, let's say, Italian folks standing on their balconies in Italy all over the country applauding healthcare workers or singing in unison because there are beautiful things happening out there and there are terrible things happening out there and we need to help the beauty outshine the ugliness as much as we can. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered and informed from this episode, and I encourage you to take inspired action every day to educate, inform, and calm yourself, your friends, your family, your loved ones, your colleagues, and members of your wider community. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, who is kindly producing these episodes for me free of charge as a public service to you, members of the Nurse Keith Nation, and those who share this information far and wide. I also thank Mark Cappiespeason, my stalwart social media ringmaster, who's helping me spread the word by keeping you informed via our many online platforms. Please stay safe, stay informed, and be the nurse who does the right thing in the face of COVID-19. This is Nurse Keith saying adios until next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. Be well, and I will be back soon. Thank you.